This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Wow. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I have good news for you. You might not know the difference, although I think the quality of sound is much better now. I'm back in studio at 1211 6th Avenue. Don't try to find me. Uh, you'll never find us. Uh, so uh, especially in New York City, which looks much like a war zone as I got back here on Monday, visited a couple of times in between, but they wanted us spread out in different locations. It's been uh, extremely taxing. Easy for me, not easy for uh, for Justin Pete. And Eric, because they got to produce remote. We never see each other face to face. But we appreciate you guys sticking with us because uh, the ratings are going great. People are listening. It's consequential times with the pandemic, with the unrest, with the election. And those are just the top three. Had a chance to meet with the president yesterday for an hour special I'm doing for on Fox News Channel to really it's a Fox Nation special. What made America great? And uh, and we brought up news of the day. So he'll be all over this show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and a guy that you probably know of but never heard from unless you're in the music industry, and that's Brian Kelly of Florida Georgia Line. He's a, It's probably it's the top duo in the country, in the world, in country music for sure. Outstanding baseball player, college baseball player, who decided to fall back in this thing called music, and fought, and he, along with Tyler uh, uh, Tyler Hubbard, formed Florida Georgia Line. He's going to be with us. I always thought about this. If you're an entertainer, you're a comedian, you're a performer in any way, big or small, especially the smaller people too, but the bigger ones, you have big budgets, and you have had concerts planned. You had appearances, the small venues, the big venues, all gone because people can't get together. Comedians, I mean, really having a hard time, but performers too. Now, look, Florida Georgia Line, I think, is one of those performers that can be okay. But what is it like? But you feed off audiences. You sit in that room with a headset on, that's one thing, but you have an audience in a live situation, you grow as a performer, and it's enjoyable, and you make a lot of money. What happens when that money is not there? I'm going to talk to him about that, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And what the Trump campaign needs to do is get Biden on the campaign trail and engage with him, on a stage with him, present the contrast on policy issues that are most favorable to Trump and make this more of a choice in the end. Yeah, that is Tom Bevan, Real Clear Politics. Presidential elections now bigger and beyond the candidates. And I know technically, and I think in every way, the president's trailing. He's got a lot of decisions uh, to make, and none of them are easy, and a lot of them are controversial, and this president's controversial by trade. But Tom Bevan's saying Joe Biden's got to do something. But I got something else that's changed since the last time I was in the studio. It's beyond the candidates now. Now, front and center, our history, our policing, ways to refuel the economic engine. You decide the direction of the country more than the candidates. Then we're going to go over the Tulsa speech. Turns out it was not such a disaster. I'll explain. Number two. The gun violence unfolding at night is not only wrong, it also is undermining and distracting. SPD will be returning to the East Precinct 
We are going to focus our greatest efforts on reimagining policing itself. Jenny Durkin, the embarrassment of a mayor in Seattle, law and disorder, the autonomous zone now leading to violence and death. What happened to the summer of love, Mayor? And I'm quoting you. As shootings and killings rage in New York, the number's astronomical. In Chicago, astronomical, even for Chicago. And that's what happens when you rip the cops. You get chaos because you basically tell them not to be cops. Case in point, what exactly happened in Minneapolis, what's happened in New York, what's happened in Los Angeles. Now, how we solve it. Number one. Witness the events of just this past weekend where mobs tore down statues of George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant. When you tear down statues of Washington and Grant, it's not about the Civil War. It's because you hate America. I can't argue, Senator Tom Cotton, the war on history goes to the headquarters of the country, targets our seventh president's iconic statue, over 100 monuments defiled in just a month. This is war we have to win. It's a war in our past and our future because someone wants to wipe out, wipe out our past. We know, we know all about America's original sin of slavery, but I got news for you. We didn't invent it. It was the world in which uh, the first generation of Americans were born into. Some didn't buy into it. They knew fundamentally it was wrong. So then they ended up getting to a point where we fought a war for it. And as Britt Hume put in perspective, the war was fought. The North wins, slavery abolished, racism took forever to unroot, fixed a lot more of it in the 1960s. I think each year we get better, but never before have we felt such a compunction to destroy our past. Here's Britt Hume, cut nine. The war against racism was fought and won a long time ago, Shannon. It was fought in the civil rights movement that went on for years, and it was a resounding success. Uh, racism became absolutely taboo in America. It's one of the worst things you can be called. To be identified as a racist is a career-ending thing, whether you're in politics or any other line of work. So what, what we have now is instead of a movement that is tearing down barriers like the civil rights movement, we have one that's tearing down statues, and not just statues of people alleged to be racist, people who plainly were not racist. But that's where we are. That's where we are, and he's 100% right, and I hate when he calls me Shannon. Secretary of the Interior, David Bernhardt, witnessed what we all witnessed last night around 8 o'clock Eastern time. We look up, and in broad daylight, with ropes and chains wrapped around the horse and the neck of the statue of Andrew Jackson, they are trying to rip it around a rip it down right across the street from the White House. Then they used graffiti to defile St. John's Church, and they looked as though they're setting up another autonomous zone, like the disaster which is Seattle. They want to be separate from our country. Now, I know we're not taking over every city, but the chaos that reigns, the Black Lives Matters movement that to me has gotten out of control and is flat out violent, destroying our past— Everybody's got something in their past that you might not like. Teddy Roosevelt's statue's got to go because it has a depiction unfavorable to some of an American Indian and African American. Now we have to have Washington's statue ripped down in Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding me? Abraham Lincoln defiled the Jefferson Memorial spray painted. Ulysses S. Grant, whose wife had one slave, and he had one, and he walked into court with his own money, paid for that slave's freedom? Now, that sounds abhorrent to you. You're not born in the 1840s, 1820s. 
I mean, my goodness. So let's go to law and disorder. Seattle. This Seattle mayor is such a joke. These whole these whole law lawmakers are such an embarrassment to this nation. They allow and force a police precinct to be abandoned. They turn it over to anarchists who take it over. First seven blocks, now shrunk down to four blocks. Now after shootings and a murder, the Seattle mayor gets tough. But we remember the Seattle mayor. Her name, Jenny Durkin, cut 10. Remember this. How long do you think Seattle in those few blocks looks like this? I don't know. We could have the summer of love. Well, tell that to the police who was supposed to be in that precinct. Even Chris Cuomo can't believe what an idiot she is. So next thing you know, the violence, intimidation starts, the extortion continues, and the shooting starts. Cops come in to shoot him because we hear there's an injury, and they don't let the cops in, and they have to leave their own blocks in front of their own precinct. It's all because of weak mayors and uh, Democratic governors. You have this governor who's indifferent to the autonomous zone. You have a mayor who embraces it, even though they're calling for her expulsion. Cut 11. The gun violence unfolding at night is not only wrong, it also is undermining and distracting from the message for change that we are hearing in the street and in so many of the peaceful protests. We are working with community to bring this to an end. Capitol Hill belongs to everyone in this city. SPD will be returning to the East Precinct We will do it peacefully in the near future. But it is clear, while the physical space is important, we are going to focus our greatest efforts on reimagining policing itself. What is wrong with you? Number one, it's going to be into training. Law enforcement's got to be at the table. They're working on something in the House and Senate. If they can get their acts together and stop being political animals, we'll actually get something done that makes policing easier and gives them additional skills to help them even when they get out. But let me just tell you what's happened. I'm not giving you opinion. I'm telling you, you know how I feel about it. I don't think every cop is perfect. I don't think I know I'm not. I don't know anybody that's perfect in their job, especially when you have forces this big. 700,000 people, they're all perfect, acting great under pressure. I mean, even in sports, you see how people snap under pressure. You're going to tell me there aren't cops that do that? So just give you an idea of what has happened since we went out of our way to criticize police in New York. Between June 15th and June 21st, 53 shootings, 72 people hurt. Okay? Minneapolis, the numbers are off the charts. Let me give you uh, Chicago. Um, Chicago, hold on to something. 104 people shot last weekend. This is two days ago. 14 killed uh, and 14 killed in one weekend. 104 people shot. Here's Gary McCarthy, former superintendent, police chief, whatever you want to call it. He talked about this surge in violence. Cut 16. You know, we talked about the fact that there were 14 murders and I think 104 people shot mm-hmm. this weekend in Chicago. And apparently we're no longer allowed to record uh, the, the demographics of, of those victims. But in general, 85% of the victims of gun violence in Chicago are African-American. So that means that 12 out of the 14 murders in this city over the weekend, and probably about 88 out of 104 of those shootings, the victims are African-American. And it's not just about a three-year-old. How about the other 87 African-Americans that got shot? By African-Americans. And every time you bring that up, they say, well, that's a white person trying to distract from the real problem. And the real problem is white cops killing black uh, suspects. 
uh, for non non suspects or by mistake or uh, overreacting. The numbers don't bear out. Yeah, we've got to solve that. You see what happened in Atlanta? What went wrong? Let's study it. Minneapolis, everything went wrong. Uh, let's learn from it. Uh, the guys like that can't be on the force, period. But taking money away from police forces, that means less money for training. They say the first thing you cut, I'm, I'm not a cop, but they say the first thing you cut is the training in the academy because the guys and the women in already don't want to have their stuff cut back. It's the new people that get cut back. So they come on the job with less training. So you keep on defunding the police. That's why I say it comes to my third point, the presidential election. It's bigger than Biden and Trump. Biden wants to empower these social services. He wants to disempower the cops. He wants to get rid of immunity. All right. He is actually held hostage to a left left wing that he cannot win without. Now, Trump's saying, leave up our history, back the cops, enhance the training, reform when possible, have pride in our country. That's really the difference. You need Republicans to step up and say, besides Tom Cotton, some Republican to stand up and say it's not okay to take down a Democratic statue of a Democratic president called Andrew Jackson. It is not okay to destroy Robert E. Lee without having a vote by the city council. And by the way, in Robert E. Lee's case in Virginia, it can't be taken down. It's been grandfathered in, for lack of a better term. Uh, It's not okay to, in the middle of the night, put a noose around Washington's neck and rip it down. You have to debate Columbus. He never got to America, but he discovered another portion of the world and changed the planet. That's why the Spanish Queen Isabel and Christopher Columbus are everywhere. Their statues are now taken down. I can't. This is what you're voting for. Erase our past instead of learn from it. Law enforcement bad. Get rid of them and reform to the point where they're invisible. And the numbers that you're seeing in New York, June 21st, 53 shootings, 72 people hurt between 15, June 15th and June 21 in 2020. Now, how big a deal is that? In 2019, There were 12 shootings, not 53, 14 deaths, not 72, 14 hurt, not 72. 1-866-408-7669. Get on board. Then we're going to welcome in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. I'm going to talk to him about uh, what's happening, uh, racial unrest in this country, as well as law enforcement. And then we're going to have some fun with uh, Florida Georgia Alliance, Brian Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Um, they're emboldened, uh, they're yeah. emboldened, Laura, by, by governors, by mayors, Democratic governors, Democratic mayors, Democratic city council members that have failed to do their job. They support the lawlessness. They support Black Lives Matter. They support Antifa. They are the cheerleaders. And these maniacs, these Marxists, um, they're out there basically following their lead. I don't have the words um, to describe the frustration, the anger um, that I have. And, and I'm talking to Americans all over the country that feel the same way. And they're watching as as our leaders, Democrats and Republicans, aren't doing a damn thing about this. The only person talking about it, the only person calling it what it is, is the president. It's totally true. I don't understand it. They're scared to death. I'm watching locally on Long Island, uh, New York, right off New, you know, it's a big, it's a big market. It's the 15th market in the country, but it's off New York City. There's just Republicans. There's uh, Lee Zeldin. There's Peter King. There's others. And Lauren Curran is Nassau County executive. These people are going in and out of these towns, up their main streets, up Broadway, threatening people, marching violently, going into stores. And I don't even see people, if you don't want to stop them, at least least, uh, denounce them. But it's like they're scared to death that they can't figure out the right political thing to do. Just do the right thing. In Georgia, talk about the lack of law enforcement and the lack of respect. In the Georgia House, they're going to look to pass a bill to dissolve county police departments. How does that help? Broaden out the jurisdiction so the cop in the neighborhood, the sheriff in the neighborhood doesn't know anybody in the neighborhood. Trey, listen on News 96.5 in, uh, uh, in Orlando. Trey. Hello? Trey, you're on. What's on your mind? Uh, just a couple things you were bringing up. I uh, wanted to say something about the police being liable, which is great. Uh, but personally liable, I don't know. But if we're going to vote that in, let's make the uh, House and the Senate liable for everything they say and do as well. I don't want either one. Uh, They they have immunity there for a reason. Immunity is not the problem. No cop gets in trouble because they don't think they're not going to get prosecuted. How they act in the clutch. Agreed. You know, and and that's a non. And Trey, if they stick with that, that means they don't want to get anything done. Uh, This whole immunity. Oh, I I totally agree. But they've been in good luck forever. I mean, what's what's any different? But if you're going to. If you're going to put that liability on the police, let's at least make it liable for the House and the Senate as well, because they're above everything. You know, 
The Got law it. should look at us equally. Terry, listen on News 96.5 in Orlando. Hey, Terry. Hey, Brian. I'd just like to say to all the people out there watching all these statues come down, put your colored racism away and look at the faces who are taking down these statues. They're white people between 18 and about 28. They took down or defaced the 54th Massachusetts. This has nothing to do with black lives. They were all black. That's the first all black unit in America's history. And I went to Trump's inauguration. I was on the street. I saw Antifa breaking up the Bank of America. It's not a bunch of blacks, okay? It's anarchist whites. They want to take over this country. You people better lock and load. We're in a war for our... Yeah, lock and load. We don't need that. But we have to stand up for our statues and our history, Terry. You're right. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Most people are completely oblivious to the history of the Democratic Party. The party of slavery. The history of the Democratic Party. Jim Crow laws. They're erasing all of the history of this country. They want to cover up history. The real history, not the revisionist history. If you are educated. Black people have been taught a narrative that has been created. You're actually miseducated. And that's when I realized I've been lied to. I had been misled. It unraveled everything that I knew to be true. Uh, that's uh, Alan West. You heard his voice there, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Senior Fellow at the Media Research Center. He's vying to become uh, head of the GOP in Texas. Uh, WestforTexas.com to be the Texas GOP chair to support him. And there he is a part of Uncle Tom. It's a documentary that's now coming out. It's an oral history of the American black conservative. Some of the other conservatives or Republicans include this guy named Frederick Douglass and this other Republican called uh, Abraham Lincoln. But it seems to have flipped on his head these days. If you're a Republican, people think, well, you must only care about white people. How the hell did that happen? Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, how did that happen? Well, Brian, it's good to be with you. And it happened because exactly what you see going on right now, we have allowed the progressive socialist left to go down, go in and completely revise history. And that's one of the things I love about you is, you know, what you've been doing, going out and writing these incredible books about American history, because, you know, you're being assaulted and and our history is being assaulted. Our history is being completely reimagined, completely revised. And therefore, people don't understand the history of the Republican Party. And the sad thing is that you have many Republicans that don't talk about and know the history of the Republican Party. And I give you a great case in point. July the 4th of 1867, the Republican Party of Texas was founded by 150 blacks. And guess what? It just happened two years before the founding of the Republican Party of Texas by those same black individuals. They found out on Juneteenth, uh, of 1865 that they were free. And that's why this documentary, Uncle Tom, came out last Friday, which was Juneteenth, right here. It premiered in uh, Texas because that is a day of emancipation. And I think that we need to have a new day of emancipation in the United States of America right now. So do you think it's accurate to say uh, when you're black and you're a Republican conservative like yourself, you don't get attacked on your ideas. You don't sit there and say low taxes and 
uh, a supply side economics, they attack you personally. Is that true? Oh, absolutely, it's true. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is just look at the, the the name of the documentary, Uncle Tom. I mean, that's one of the disparaging monikers that they throw at you. Uh, white man's porch monkey, Oreo, sellout, all of these things. When you look at incredible, iconic figures in black history in the United States of America, like Booker T. Washington, what he did, his autobiography, Up From Slavery, you know, the fact that the institution that he started, Tuskegee University, still standing today, but yet he is demonized, denigrated, and disparaged. He's not even discussed when it when you talk about African-American history in the United States of America. But he was one of the great educators, one of the great minds that this country has ever produced. No, there's no question about it. Uh, and instead of saying, well, that's interesting, uh, Colonel Allen West and Larry Elder are Republicans, and uh, Al Sharpton isn't, instead of just debating that, like you would of people, white people, uh, Senator Schumer, as opposed to President Trump, is like, well, what's going? What is wrong with Alan West? What is wrong with Larry Elder? And I never saw anything like it in any other walk of life, any other business, or anything else. Well, it's just it's one of the clips that in the movie it shows where you know Kanye West West was there with President Trump, and then it shows all of these different clips. Uh, Dr. Phil and others talking about how Kanye West must have a mental illness because he's sitting there with President Trump. And that's what they do. What they try to portray you is if you are someone that has escaped the left's 21st century economic plantation, is something is wrong with you mentally. Something is wrong with you uh, as far as how you think. Uh, and, and just the same as Joe Biden said not too long ago, if you're having problems deciding between me or Trump, you ain't black. That's the mentality that has been permeating all the, throughout the United States of America. And that is the, the exact opposite of what Dr. Martin Luther King talked about when he said he wanted this country to get to a point where people were judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. But yet, that's where we are in America. We have gone backwards. I remember Arthur Ashe, one of his last days in his best-selling book, he said, overall, when I look back at my life, I wasted – I was forced to waste so much time fighting racism, fighting for uh, equality. And he, in retrospect, he said, I would have loved to have lived my life more. You know, it just – he was trying to not be the black tennis player. He just wanted to be the American. And he didn't have that opportunity, he didn't feel, uh, to do that. So I'm looking at what's happening in our country. The pandemic, no control over that. Pulling down our history, where'd that come from? Well, we know about civil unrest. It launched in Minneapolis. But now we're seeing these autonomous zones. They one almost sprung up, and they'll probably try again tonight. And Lafayette Park, across the street from Washington, from the White House. And now we have mm-hmm. Seattle's autonomous zone resulting in, in shootings and death. These are, with this, these are a bunch of prongs in action. Who's pulling these strings? Well, we know who's pulling these strings. You have, you know, these far left organizations uh, and, you know, George Soros, Open Open Society, uh, some of those individuals. And then also one of the things that upsets me is that you have these corporations and businesses that are basically being, you know, forced into providing resources and contributions to an organization like Black Lives Matter. This is extortion that is going on. This is fear, intimidation, coercion, and as you saw in Seattle, violence. And we cannot allow this to happen. These are anarchist groups. These are Marxist groups. As a matter of fact, they admit 
to the fact that they are anarchist groups and Marxist groups, as Black Lives Matter uh, founder just recently did, and that came out in the news this week. So we need to find our courage, Brian, to stand up and say, this is not happening in the United States of America, because this is a cancer. And just the same with cancer, you want to detect it early, you want to treat it early, you want to eliminate it early. If we allow this to metastasize, just as you said, Seattle, Washington, D.C., where's next? We're already hearing rumblings about how they want to have an autonomous zone set up in Austin, Texas, the capital of Texas. Which brings me to my next topic. The coronavirus numbers are going up. Here's Governor Greg Abbott of Texas talking about this. Cut 29. Listen, we're worried anytime you see hospitalizations increase, anytime you see uh, the number of people testing positive increase, you get worried. But we're not alarmed. Listen, we, we were planning uh, to have responses in place, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. Uh, one thing that we are doing is we're going back to fundamentals. We slowed the spread in March and April by people following these standard practices of wearing a face mask, not yeah. going out unless you really have to, uh, keeping your distance. So we are reinforcing those things again. When summer came, I think people realized, th- thought that, well, we don't really have to practice those things. Right. The other thing that you mentioned is we are we are increasing enforcement of our protocols, such as bars that are allowing overcrowding. Uh, they're having their license taken away. So okay. we, we are responding in ways that should reduce the spread of COVID-19 without having to, to ratchet back on the opening up of business. You like these measures? No, I don't. Uh, I, I don't like what the, the governor's doing. I think that the governor's wrong and any elected official is wrong by going out there and believing that they have some enumerated power to, to say what is essential, what is not essential. It is our responsibility as citizens to protect our health. Their responsibility is to protect our rights. And when I see what is happening uh, again here in Texas and that we're fining businesses, uh, these businesses are struggling. These businesses are doing everything they can to try to stay in operation. Give them the guidelines. Let them may, you know, follow the guidelines. You know, go in and give them some type of warnings or whatever. But most of these businesses are going to do what is right. But, Brian, again, we are overreacting. What is a COVID-19 case? That means someone has gotten a virus. What type of virus are they getting? They're getting a virus that has a 99.6 to 99.8% recovery rate. That's what we need to be focused on. We also need to focus on the most vulnerable people in our society that are susceptible to COVID-19 because of underlying health conditions. That's where we need to be focused on, not going back down the path of shutting down the the economy of the state of Texas, where we saw almost 3 million Texans have to go on unemployment. I hear you. There's a downside to waiting and uh, overprotecting. And I've always said that. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West in Texas, uh, if you want to support uh, Colonel Allen West, for uh, Texas GOP chair, West4Texas.com. Colonel, always great to talk to you. My pleasure. You take care, Brian. Go get him. Uh, when we come back, a special treat. Not that that wasn't special, but this is really uh, different. Brian Kelly, one half of the most, one of the successful uh, duos in America today, and one of the most successful groups in America today, Florida Georgia Line. He was a college baseball player drafted by the Marlins, and as a fallback, went back to college and focused on this thing called music. And he's going to be cruising onto our show. He's got six new songs. He just released a six-pack in the middle of a pandemic. What is that about? Brian Kelly next. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details.
No, I'm not. Uh, we haven't changed formats to music, but we are bringing a musician on to talk. Uh, Brian Kelly, uh, one half of the Florida Georgia line. Uh, we'll find out if he feels he's the most important half. He joins us now. He watched his meteoric rise uh, to the music charts. In fact, one of his first appearances was on Fox and Friends. Uh, he played Cruise uh, for us when we were in a different studio back in 2012, 2013. And he's probably part of the hottest group in the country right now, even though the whole music industry has been on the sideline with this pandemic. Brian Kelly, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. What's good, Brian? Thanks for having me, man. How are you? Oh, it's great to have you on. First off, how did you re- did you ha- you release six songs? You called it the six pack. Did you write them prior, or, or did you write them in pandemic land? You know, I think only one of those uh, one out of those six happened during the pandemic, and that was that song "U.S. Stronger," and that was just one of those things that kind of fell out of the sky, and you know tons of inspiration just looking around with everything happening in the world and you know we were just kind of looking for something to kind of bring us together and that song was just a a little bit of a magical moment to be honest with you but uh everything else was kind of already ready for the most part man we were working on this uh this fifth album and uh we were not sure how to put it out and how to package it and we just had a, a crazy idea for labor day you know we just said or i'm sorry memorial day we just said hey let's put out a six pack you know, it's, it's interesting times and uncertain times, but let's let's bring the party. Let's bring, uh, you know, some comfort. And so we just released it that way. Yeah, man. Tyler Hubbard, your buddy, you met him at Belmont uh, University. I actually had a chance to speak there. What a great uh, university that is. So, Brian, just a little on your background. You're playing college baseball, baseball at Florida State. You got drafted by the Miami Marlins. Um, how did that go? You know, I, I actually did not get drafted. I don't know where that came from. I wish I might have. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. But, uh, no, I, I, that would have been amazing. But, uh, man, you know, it's one of those things. I went to Florida State for two years. I redshirted my freshman year, and then I ended up at Daytona State College. And then I just kind of – my journey led me to Nashville, Tennessee, to Belmont to play baseball there my last two years. And I just felt like the Lord was calling me up there, and I knew I wanted to do music. I felt like he'd given me a gift to – you know, play baseball, at least just through, to finish my uh, collegiate career. So I wanted to honor that. And that's where Tyler and I met. And we just kind of hit it off musically. He was like a, a buddy that I'd grown up with all my life, but he was from Georgia. And we just, it was one of those things we realized pretty, pretty quick. And we realized that every day we're better, to, better together than apart. And there's just a, there's a true bond and a, and a brotherhood there. And we're just forever grateful for, uh, you know, our move to Nashville and our journey that, that brought us together and, and just sticking it out through um, even the building years, man, when, when not many people are there and, you're, you know, nobody's really picking up the phone. And you just uh, you got to you got to find that inside of you. And it's a, it's a lot easier doing it with a buddy than just just alone. So, you know, that old quote of if you want to go uh, if you want to go quick, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's kind of our motto. Who is the first one uh, in the industry to believe in you? Do you remember? Oh, man. You know, one of the first, to be honest with you, uh, this is like early, early on, and uh, was a guy named Mark Mason at BMI, which is a performing rights organization. They they deal with a lot at, uh, with songwriters, and they collect the money, and they also do a lot in the community. They'll hook you up with getting you in the right mix and, you know, producers and songwriters. So 
I met with a guy, I was still at Belmont at the time and in school and I brought him a couple demos and Brian, I got to tell you the story. He told me this, this is, I can't make this up and it forever changed the way I write music, the way I do my thing. But, you know, I brought him some songs and he said, man, this is awesome. He goes, come back in a week and bring me some more. So I brought him some more. He goes, come back in a week and bring me some more. He goes, these are great. He goes, Brian, this is like the light beer of, of country music. What you're trying to do. He goes, I need something a little heavier. He goes, I need some more. I need, I need you to, you know, dig down deep and, and bring me some different things and show me what else you can do. And that kind of lit a fire under my butt, to be honest with you, man. I'm like, what's this guy talking about? Bring me some dark beer song. I'm like, what do you even, what does that even mean? And so I kind of just, you know, me and Tyler both started working on our craft and working on songwriting and singing and, and just trying to soak it up. And we were, you know, very blessed to be around some incredible legendary songwriters. So we were just trying to be like a sponge and, and uh, man, it's just one of those things that just kind of, over the, you know, the more you do something, yeah. the, the better you get. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, through success and when things started happening, we kind of doubled down on our craft and our careers. And just, you know, I've said this before, we got to a point where, Hey, how do we scale this and how do we remain healthy and how do we, how do we attack this in a different way instead of just getting burnt out and, and not staying healthy and, and, you know, how do we, how do we stick and stay in the light, to be honest with you? And so we just have always worked on our craft. We worked on ourselves and our relationship and we got married. Both of us got married, uh, to two amazing women pretty, pretty early on in our careers. And, uh, it's absolutely changed everything and it's amazing. And I, I don't, I don't know where we'd be without our wives and, and their support. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a freaking awesome journey, man. I can't, right. I can't be more, more thankful. And I met your mom and dad at an event in Florida where I was talked about FGL House because I went in there with my family and I walked in. You guys couldn't have been great. All these floors and how great it was in Nashville is just off Broadway. And your dad <laughs> just tells you what kind of guy he is. He says, thanks for talking so nice about my son's restaurant. I go, who's your son? And then a little bit later, he goes, oh, you might know him. He's in Florida, Georgia. I'm like, oh, I go, Brian Kelly is your son? He goes, yeah, but he's really proud of that restaurant. He was a really good baseball player. I really wish he stuck with that. And I said, this guy's just so humble. Now I know where you get it from. And the main thing, Brian, one of the reasons I want to have you on is how are you dealing with this? Used to big crowds, used to the turnstiles, used to the live performance. It's just not possible now. How are you and Tyler dealing with this from Florida, Georgia line? You know, it is interesting, man. We've been, we spent the last 10 years literally just on the go, pretty much one place to the next. So to kind of be at a standstill in a sense, uh, you know, we're, I think we're, you know, we're semi enjoying it at the same time. You know, I think we're really digging deep and, you know, we're remaining creative. We've been doing some Zoom songwriting sessions and, and also, you know, the silver lining is we're really getting some good family time. Me and Brittany, we don't have any kids yet, but we're, we've got four dogs and, we're finishing some construction on our house in Florida and um, just kind of being around and being home and kind of being normal, man. That's, that's also super important. So uh, that's kind of the silver lining. And I know Tyler and, and Haley and their kids, they've got two kids and one on the way and they're really enjoying cooking all the time and, <laughs> and just getting those moments that, you know, we, I don't know if we'll ever get this time back. You know, it, it's, it's pretty you. interesting. And um, hopefully we're on the, the flip side and everything's coming back to normal, man. Cause it's been a dang journey. I tell you what, Right. Um, to watch to watch the world go through this, but um, know. you know, I think we are going to be stronger in the end, and and you know, the economy hopefully is. I think the economy is strong, strong enough to to bounce back and uh, to make moves. So, so I think we're going to hey, be in a good position. And you helped the country by putting out six new songs during this time. Uh, Brian Kelly, Florida George Line. Thanks so much. Continued success, and hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Brian. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're back in studio. I'm able to stand. I'm able to sit. Just move the mic up. Better quality sound. And get to see what Justin, Pete, and Eric actually say behind my back. Because I can see them right through the glass. It's always fun. Uh, Rick Scott's going to be with us. The senator from uh, uh, from Florida. Former governor. Janice Dean's going to be here. She lost both her in-laws uh, to this coronavirus. Who were put back in nursing homes. And one of the 6,200 plus who died in New York. It's a mistaken policy that Governor Cuomo will not own up to, and I'm befuddled how he's been allowed to get away with it with the New York press. He's blaming the federal government, and that was judged by PolitiFact to be mostly false. Then I'll do a simulcast on Barney and Company and the Fox Business Network, so that'll be great. We're also trying to uh, enjoy phase uh, day two of phase two in New York, where people get to dine out. Restaurants without a veranda have taken up the sidewalk and more power to them. I cannot wait to get health clubs online, especially in New York. They're all dying on the vine and they're ready to go. Come on, lawmakers, get your act together. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And what the Trump campaign needs to do is get Biden on the campaign trail and engage with him on a stage with him present the contrast on policy issues that are most favorable to Trump and make this more of a choice in the end. Because right now it's Donald Trump or Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, with uh, the country so polarized, loses 48, sometimes 43 percent of the country. And he has an opponent that won't show. Uh, Joe Biden is at least 10 years past his prime. He was an embarrassment to the previous administration, even though people kind of liked him, I guess. They never let him out in the last four years. Now you know why. Because after four more years, he's 77 and shot. So we'll discuss that next. Number two. The gun violence unfolding at night is not only wrong, it also is undermining and distracting. SPD will be returning to the East Precinct. We are going to focus our greatest efforts on reimagining policing itself. Yes, that's Jenny Durkin, the terrible Seattle mayor. Law and disorder, autonomous zone now leading to violence and death. We told you, whatever happened to the summer of love, mayor, I'm quoting you, as shootings and killings rage in New York and Chicago and Minneapolis. That's what happens when you rip the cops, all cops, 700,000 cops, and you get chaos in return. Case in point, what we're living through now. Next, how we solve it. Number one. Witness the events of just this past weekend where mobs tore down statues of George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant. When you tear down statues of Washington and Grant, it's not about the Civil War. It's because you hate America. And that is Senator Tom Cotton. Is there any other senator in the country? Why is he doing everything? The war in history goes to headquarters of the country, Washington, D.C. It targets our seventh president's iconic statue, over 100 monuments defiled or torn down in one month. This is a war we have to win. 
It's a war of our past, and I will tell you why. It's, oh, who cares about statues? I have to worry about getting each other. Sure. But don't you care about your country? Well, we're not in the middle of a war. We're just uh, going through our past and seeing if this person had slaves or this person treated American Indians in a, in a negative way. Really? Through previous generations, they thought enough of that man or woman to make a statue. Can you respect previous generations? Can you respect the fact that people are going to look back at Americans in 2020 and think, how could we do X, Y, and Z? In 2008, how could Barack Obama think marriage is just between a man and a woman? What, how uh, homophobic? In 2012, he ran on, uh, on same-sex marriage. America changed. George Bush in 2004 or 2000 ran on uh, the Defense of Marriage Act. It helped them win. In 2012, it would guarantee you wouldn't get the nomination. It's called America Changes. No one would ever justify slavery, but it happened, was happening all over the world. That's the world they were in. So abhorrent and nuts as the smartest people on the planet doing this would seem, that's just the fact of the times. Now, What's happening yesterday in Washington, D.C., I was in Washington interviewing the president yesterday. You'll hear some of that. For an hour special I'm doing on the history of the White House. So I thought the last occupant, this one, I should talk to. And he said, sure. We talked about news of the day. He talked about Andrew Jackson. We didn't know there would be a noose and chains around the Jackson statue one hour from when I was talking to him, trying to rip it down. Quickly, they scrambled the police to stop it, where there would have been an autonomous zone in Washington using the St. John's Church as their headquarters, which they graffitied again, and the statue would have been in tatters. There was dedicated a, year, a couple of years after his death by an adoring, respectful America that knew about the impact he made. And he had enemies in his time. But my goodness, if it's another country that wants to destroy our past, that's one thing, but it's us. I mean, they were even trying to take down Jesus. Sean King, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, called Monday for the removal of statues, murals, and stained glass windows that depict Jesus as white and European, which he claims are a form of white supremacy. Really? Listen to what President Trump said about these statues and these monuments and the war on history. Cut to. While we have this conversation, we're in a war on history. They want to take Jackson's statue out of New Orleans without Battle of New Orleans, without the same country. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. I don't like anything that's going on. Now, federal, I've stopped. I've stopped federal. But the states are, a lot of states are weak. A lot of people are weak, and they're allowing it to happen. Hey, it's going over a little bit around the world now. They want to remove the statue of Gandhi. Okay? All he wanted was peace. They want to take down Ulysses S. Grant. Well, he's the one that stopped the Confederates, right? So, you know, he was a great general. He turned... Nobody's stock went higher than his stock over the last 10 or 15 years. But do you understand um, how you look at Thomas Jefferson, you look at George Washington, you look at James Monroe, you look at James Madison. One thing they had, they were brilliant. They also had slaves. So how do we grow as a country, but yet not forget our past? So... You have to understand history, and you have to understand the culture and so many other aspects of our country. And people can study that, and they can hate it, and let's all hate it. But you can't take down George Washington's statue, and half of our country is named after Washington. You can't. We have to remember the heritage, the, the, the culture of our country. 
You have to understand, we don't have a country without George Washington. He was a unique general with incredible leadership skills who made mistakes as a colonel and as a major, while learned from his older brother, was able to uh, overcome his lack of schooling and education to be one of the key founding fathers, if not the key founding father, and used those uh, wonderful leadership skills and his military knowledge and surveyor ability to strategize a guerrilla war to beat the largest and most respected standing army in the world. That's called the Revolutionary War. And then came out of retirement to lead our country through its most turbulent times, you can argue. And pick the White House, which I'll talk about Sunday at 10 o'clock. You'll see it on television. Because he had slaves, he inherited from his brother, I guess his father, and his brother took over, then he would take over, uh, that were freed on the death of Martha Washington. I never say anything to justify it. I'm just telling you that's the fact. But every most people, most landowners had slaves in those days. It doesn't mean James Madison's writing of the Constitution wasn't ingenious. The Declaration of Independence of Jefferson wasn't phenomenal. doesn't mean the leadership uh, uh, and stewardship of George Washington wasn't out of, from another realm of uh, ability that we can all learn from even today. But if you need perfect person on statues, we're going to be a nation of pedestals, uh, which are all scorched and defiled. Next, I want to talk about law and disorder. This autonomous zone has ended up being a total farce, as predicted by you, by me. And this mayor, Jenny Durkin, didn't mind that they were calling for her expulsion. They took over seven blocks. They told all those businesses, you're out of luck. They cordoned it off and told the cops to get out of their police precinct, and they were told to leave. And listen to the mayor when asked, how long are you going to give up your city? Cut 10. How long do you think Seattle in those few blocks looks like this? I don't know. We could have the summer of love. Well, tell that to the police who was supposed to be in that precinct. Yeah, uh, that was kind of a follow up. That was a ridiculous follow up. The thing is, are you kidding me, Mayor? You've given up seven blocks and you think it's going to be the summer of love? Well, next thing you know, there's shooting and there's death and the cops are prevented from going in and even doing an investigation. Chief Carmen Best, Seattle Police Department, cut 13. There are also groups of individuals engaging in shootings, a rape, assaults, burglary, arson, and property destruction. And I have the police reports right here. I'm not making it up. These things have happened. We cannot walk away from the truth of what is happening there. This is not about politics, and I'm not a politician. This isn't a debate about First Amendment rights. This is about life or death. True. And it's just spreading. In Chicago, 104 shootings over the weekend, 14 killed. In New York, last year, 2019, on June 21st, 15th to the 21st, there were 53 shootings, 72 people hurt. Uh, that was this year. Last year, there was just 12 and 14 hurt. 53 to 72. Are you going to tell me ripping and ridiculing and defunding? Police departments doesn't have a price that we all pay. The answer is yes. We need real leaders, which means this election isn't about Biden and Trump. It's about law and order and law and disorder. It's about relishing our history, bleeding red, white and blue and running from our history and apologizing for it. Bigger than Biden, bigger than Trump. Do you agree? Coming up next, Senator Rick Scott and then Janice Dean on the travesty, which is Governor Cuomo's nursing home policy. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think what's interesting about the polling that we're seeing right now is that there are some short-term benefits that the Biden campaign is having because of all this unrest and whatnot that might not accrue to his credit when it comes to November. I mean, we have nationwide mass hysteria and mobs tearing down statues. It started with anyone affiliated with the Confederacy and has now gone so far beyond that. It's, it's ridiculous. And that is Molly Hemingway talking about the, the Biden-Trump matchup where Biden doesn't show and Trump's got to throw the punches and take the punches. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Senator Rick Scott, good friend of the president, in a vital state he has to win. He's also with the Homeland Security and Armed Forces Committees. Senator, welcome back. Nice to be back. I, I think Trump's going to have a big win in Florida because there's just no energy for Biden. And look, this is, it's a tough time in our country, but Trump is showing up and, and working hard to try to try to do good things. You were talking about uh, Jacksonville is now going to be the place for the RNC, but you think social distancing should still play a role. How do you do both? You're going to have to. I mean, we, you know, we have to wear masks. We have to social distance. I'm, I'm excited that things are in Florida. I'm glad the convention is going to be there, but they're going to have to figure out how to do this uh, to keep people safe. And I expect people, I expect every family to do it across the state. Uh, that's why I talk about it every day. As, as, uh, as, and when I'm uh, talking to anything that's going on in Florida, let's take this seriously. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet, and every family wants to be safe. I talk to my family about it. I know my uh, my daughters are thinking about how they you know, get their kids back to school, but do it in a safe manner. So everybody's got to do it. Businesses have to do it. We all have to do it. So do you fill up an arena that handles 15,000? You fill up with seven? Well, I, look, we do, we do it in the Capitol. Uh, we don't, we don't sit close to each other. Um, and they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do the same thing uh, in the arena. They're going to have to spread people out to make sure people are social distancing. I mean, I, I don't want anybody else to get sick. The way we beat this is stop getting sick. Stop it and stop anybody else from getting sick. So we know how to do it. Wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance. So if we're going to have an event, we've got to do the exact same thing. That so they ha- they're going to have to figure that out, how to do it. So we're going to play to see how we're going to come back from this pandemic for shutdown as we inch our way back and we try to fight the increase in coronavirus patients. What do you think the cause of the increase in Florida is? No one knows yet. I think the, I think the state needs to put out as much information as they can. And sorry, like where are the where's the outbreaks? You know, it's whatever information they have, how it's happening. Because you know, it's the more people know, the better decisions they'll make. And so, if you know in downtown X city that they're having a big outbreak, you won't go there. All right, and you shouldn't. You should be you know you should you should be careful. So I think the state needs to put out as much information as they can. They need to really tell people where there, there's outbreaks so people, you know, that, oh, gosh, they could say, oh, I was there. I better quarantine. I mean, just, to, you know, because I talk to people. No one, I don't know anybody says, oh, boy, I want to get this. I, I mean, I took the antibody test, and I was hoping I was in, but, but do I want to get it? No, I don't want to get it. And I don't want anybody else that wants to either. So all of us have to be, we're in this together, figure it out. 
So, uh, Senator Rick Scott's our guest. Senator, about another stimulus package. I know you're fiscally, uh, you were cringing at all the money that we spent and printed to spend it to get us out of the doldrums of this pandemic financial collapse. Here's the president yesterday on another rescue package. Cut 27. Are you going to get them a second stimulus? Yeah, we are. We are. Look, we had this. uh, When? When are you going to get it? We had this going better than uh, anybody's ever seen before. We had the best job numbers, the best economics, the best economy we've ever had. And then we had the virus come in from China, and now we're rebuilding it again. Uh, We will be doing another stimulus package. It'll be very good. It'll be very generous. Another stimulus package? We're going to see. Here's what I'm here's what I'm focused on. Uh, one, we've got to get liability protection for our first responders and yeah. our businesses. You, you should you know, you shouldn't be sued uh, when you're out there trying to do the right thing. Uh, number two is we've got to take care of the people that have lost their jobs. And number three, we have to help the small businesses. And number four, let's make sure the dollars we've spent, we, we make sure that money spent well and make sure there's no fraud and abuse. Uh, so let's look where we are. We've spent almost we're, we've allocated almost three trillion dollars, three trillion dollars. That's not insignificant. Uh, on top of that, we, we, you know, we, the Federal Reserve has dramatically increased their balance sheet. I was with Jay Powell this morning, said, how are we going to get that balance sheet back down? Uh, because I mean, we, we have to understand, somebody's going to pay for this. Either we're going to pay for it in more taxes, or our kids are going to pay for it in more taxes. We have got to get a return on every dollar we spend. And, and the other thing is, I do not want to bail out Andrew Cuomo. I was a governor, got elected the exact same time he did. He didn't balance his budget. He kept borrowing money. He, 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 his, his budget for two and a half million less people than mine was almost double mine. He didn't say no to anything. He didn't cut his taxes and stuff like that. And now he wants us in Florida uh, to, to pay for his excess. I'm not, we're not going to do it. I have all these people moved from New York that I got out of Cuomo's taxes. I don't want to pay those taxes again. I sent a letter with uh, Ron Johnson and Ted Cruz last week to the governors and said, tell us how you spent the money you've already gotten. We've allocated already a half a trillion dollars to our state and local communities. How have you spent it? How, I know. You know, we've, okay. we've covered all their costs of coronavirus, 100%. We don't do that for hurricanes. Your reaction, Senator, we're running out of time, but real quick, your reaction to Governor Cuomo says, I might quarantine uh, Floridians and Texans who are coming to New York because the cases are increasing. I think every governor ought to take care of the people in their state. Whatever it takes to take care of the people in their state, they ought to be doing it. That's what I expect every governor. That's what I did when I was governor of Florida. I was responsible for the 22 million people living in Florida. Andrew Cuomo ought to do the exact same thing. Do you think he was just tweaking you, or you think he was sincerely worried about Floridians? I don't know. All all I know is do not come and ask me to pay for his excesses. That's not fair to the taxpayers of Florida. Yeah, I'm living in New York now, so I feel it on a daily basis. Uh, Senator Rick Scott, you're a busy guy, and now you're going to get the RNC in August. And I know the president will be counting on you to help pull it off. Thanks so much, Senator. All right. See you, Brian. Have a good day. You got it. Uh, Your calls are next, 1-866-408. 7669, and then Janice Dean will be joining us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Do you take responsibility for that order and the role it may have played in those deaths? Yeah, the Republicans definitely are playing politics. How handling this COVID lives. virus? 
Yes, I understand that. Uh, yes, we had more people die in nursing homes than anywhere else because we had more people die because the federal government missed the boat and never told us that this virus was coming from Europe and not from China. Wow. Somebody else uh, pointing fingers and never taking responsibility. It's Governor Andrew Cuomo. And this nursing home thing with killed over 6,200 of, of this nation's seniors is something he's trying to say. It's Republican talking point. What's he talking about? These are real human beings who were put back into the nursing home, even though they were infected. And they blame the CDC regulations at the federal level. PolitiFact looked at that and said mostly false. Janice Dean knows that. She's been all over this. She lost both her in-laws uh, to the coronavirus when they were put back in nursing homes. Janice Dean, Fox's senior meteorologist and New York Times bestselling author. Janice, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Was that a maddening answer? You know, he he's really bad at answering this question, and he's been bad at answering it since the get-go. But I, what I will say is finally people are starting to ask the question because for weeks now, nobody was going uh, at him with the nursing home question, despite the fact that we have got over 6,000 dead in nursing homes. So I'm grateful that at least some people now are tapping into the, the fact that this should be one of the biggest New York stories, if not a national story. If this were kids, if 6,000 kids were dead, don't you think this would be a front yeah. page story? But it's because it's our seniors, unfortunately. Uh, and, and it has been ignored in the mainstream media. But now I saw Savannah Guthrie ask him today. And I saw uh, Stephanie Rule asked yesterday on MSNBC, and I'm grateful. CNN has still not asked him that question, and that's what drives me crazy. But at the very beginning, when he was getting the questions, Brian, he was blaming God and Mother Nature, and this kind of thing happens. His name, his name, Governor Andrew Cuomo, is on that order March 25th which forced COVID recovering patients into nursing homes. No other name is on that order. And by the way, you can't find that order anywhere because it's been scrubbed from the government website. Very interesting. Is that just a coincidence? I don't think so. I really don't. But no one asked that question to him. I would like someone to ask him why we can't find that on his government website. Instead, we have screenshots which last forever. We have. Oh, well, interesting. Uh, so right now he changed the policy, though, didn't he? He did. But weeks later. So the March 25th order that went out. And by the way, he's one of only five governors that issued this same mandate. Forty five out of 50 governors did not force COVID-infected patients into nursing homes. Five did. Cuomo, Wolf, Whitmer, Murphy, and Newsom. And they all have D's next to their name. Uh, he finally realized after death, thousands of deaths afterwards, I believe it was May 10th, that he should probably reverse that order and not allow COVID-recovering patients into nursing homes. And by the way, we had places for these people to go. We had uh, the ship, the Mercy ship, and we had the Javits Center. And both of those were empty. Which you demanded be set up by the cost of millions of dollars, and they weren't. So during this period, uh, when your in-laws are, are suffering from the coronavirus, were you able to see them? No. 
we got a call. Mickey, his his father-in-law, died in late March. We had no idea he had the coronavirus, and we weren't able to see him. We got a call on a Saturday morning that his dad wasn't feeling well, and and we got a call three hours later on that same Saturday saying that he had died. We didn't know what from. We only found on the death certificate that he had died of COVID. So we weren't able to see him beforehand. We weren't able to have a wake or a ceremony or a funeral. And then less than two weeks later, his mom, who was an assisted living facility, uh, we were planning to have them both together, but Mickey required uh, some rehab in a nursing home. She died two weeks later. She got COVID in her assisted living home, was transported to the hospital, but her number won't count. Because Cuomo says that if you have COVID and you died in a hospital, your number does not count as a death in a nursing home or assisted facility. So he's fudging the numbers as well. I am, as you can tell, uh, livid about all of it. And I, it needs to be investigated because there's so much shady business going on and he can't answer the question. And I just want answers. I, that's all. So I want you to hear uh, Cuomo took this question again, and look who he blames. Republicans are saying, uh, well, New York did this. New York followed the president's agency's guidance. That's not my attempt to politicize it. It's my attempt to depoliticize it. So don't criticize the state for following the president's policy. That was the, uh, the last week in May. So he's saying, I'm not, yeah. I'm depoliticizing. PolitiFact looked at that and they said mostly false, flat out false mostly statement. Mostly false. Seema Verma, the administrator for the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, told Breitbart News very recently that Governor Cuomo and other Democratic governors originally issued guidance that contradicts the federal guidelines for nursing homes battling coronavirus. So I'm sorry, Governor Cuomo, that's not good enough. So who do you, I mean, where could you uh, possibly direct your ire? I mean, are, this, are these nursing homes private facilities? Or are they subsidized, just subsidized for the state? Well, that's where things get kind of shady because we, we don't know. Listen, we like the nursing home that my father-in-law was in. We liked the assisted living facility that my, that my mother-in-law was in. But we don't have any answers from them. We can't get answers from them at all. We don't have numbers of how many people passed away, who didn't pass away. We can't get that because Cuomo put in place uh, right after this, you know, started being looked at. You can't sue the nursing homes now because he put a mandate in place that we, as the people who have our loved ones in nursing homes and assisted facilities can't uh, sue the nursing homes. I have no desire, actually, to, to sue anybody. I just want answers. But it's, but it's interesting because Cuomo has gotten quite a bit of fundraising from the Nursing Home Association. So there's articles that are starting to trickle out uh, with regards to the fundraising that he has gotten from the Nursing Home Associations. Um, so I find it very interesting that all of a sudden in place, we can't sue the nursing homes, so they can't be held liable. So where do we go? Where do we get answers? So thankfully, Steve Scalise is trying to get those answers. And this should be a nonpartisan 
investigation. Listen, we're in New York City. We're in New York. That is basically a Democratic state. Our loved ones were possibly Democrats. Why wouldn't you want answers? This is nonpartisan. But because he doesn't have R next to his name, Cuomo, he's not being held accountable. Uh, But again, I'm starting to see cracks now. Uh, Savannah Guthrie asked him the question today. Uh, MSNBC asked him yesterday. And as long as that pressure is on, he still will have to answer these questions. And so should Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Five. Five of them did that. Five of them had the order to force COVID-infected patients into nursing homes. Cuomo, Wolf, Whitmer, Murphy, Newsom. Five. Why did you do Mm, that? It spread like wildfire. Janice Dean's been relentless on this. Janice, thanks so much. I always pick up her book. Uh, Despite this negative story, it's really upbeat, mostly sunny is the name of the book. Uh, And Janice will will stay on top of this, and hopefully he's going to be forced to answer the question. At least he's being asked. That's the start. Now soon we'll force him to answer. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You got it. When we come back, I'm going to be joined. Uh, I'll be joining FBN, uh, Fox Business, uh, the Fox Business Network, and on that channel, this guy named Stuart Varney's there. We're going to be talking about the Major League Baseball owners voting to proceed with the 60-game 2020 schedule, and talk a little bit about what I did last week, and that's RV. It's up 300 percent in this country, uh, and I tried it with my family. I definitely like to share that experience. And it looks like Stuart Varney wants to ask me that. Then we'll take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. I'll be taking your call shortly, 1-866-408-7669, and joining Stuart Varney shortly. You always watch us on Fox Nation. We stream. And now you're going to get to see us on FBN. We share audiences. So if you're driving a car right now, just know you're going to drive a lot of people, going to be joining people watching in their living room or in their kitchen. Uh, because Stuart Varney wants to talk about, about my trip using my RV down to Florida, which I'm one of. It's up 300% a year. And then, Stuart, uh, we're going to talk a little about Major League Baseball because they, uh, they have agreed not to agree. And it's an automatic trigger mechanism. They're going to decide to play baseball. It's going to be a shortened season. So when we're ready to join them, we'll, we'll be a couple more seconds. All right, we'll do that. So you can just get on board then. And we'll be joining a special uh, special thanks to Janice Dean uh, for joining us, talking a little bit about what's happening with uh, Governor Cuomo and company. And then we're going to be talking about the presidential race right after we're done with this because it's more about law and order than it is about Joe Biden. And at one point, he's got to come out of his basement. So let's listen in. One, it is now 
10.51 Eastern. That means Brian Kilmeade is ready to join us. He's the host of the Brian Kilmeade Radio Show. All right, Brian, sit up straight. Here we go. You are really upset about what happened outside the White House last night and the takedown of the Andrew Jackson uh, statue or the attempted takedown. Uh, Go at it, Brian, because I know you're not happy. Well, think about this. You have 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the White House is 230 years uh, old, and we're doing a feature on what it meant to this country, the burning of the White House by your Mm -hmm. former country, uh, the rebuilding in the 1950s. It was literally falling apart. And across the street is a man that used to live there named Andrew Jackson, who built the portico and those big columns in front of him. Well, he's not perfect, and he was a Democrat, the first one. He was impactful. He changed the generation. There was the Jacksonian era. And as I'm talking to the president, he talked about the big quest to pull him down in New Orleans, his statue. He won the Battle of New Orleans, allowing us to grow past the Mississippi as a country. He's a self-taught military general who is fighting for this country at the age of 14 years old as a courier because that's all they would take him because he was so young and went to jail when he got caught. He became a judge, a lawyer, a real asset to his country. And these people who skateboard for a living or just hate this country full time decide they'll put chains around a statue that the whole country stopped to dedicate and try to pull it down. Thankfully, he was as tough as a statue as he was as a person. It didn't move. And now the president's passed an executive order. Wait wait a second. Weren't you in the White House interviewing the president, walking around the White House about an hour before this unrest at the statue and this attempted formation of a zone. What did the president say to you at that point? Well, we were talking about these statues and Andrew Jackson specifically. And, Stuart, you'll see the video. Uh, We actually have it where Andrew Jackson's portrait's between us and his bust is to the right of us. I had no idea in broad daylight they'd be looking to set up their own autonomous zone outside a defiled St. John's Church and have hundreds show up to rip it down. Think about that. Look, wait, wait a second, Brian. The president's come out real strong and said, look, we're not going to have this. We're going to have long jail terms for the people who did that. So I know where the president's coming from, but I have no idea where the Democrats are coming from. Do you? And by the way, outside Tom Cotton, can I see more Republicans stand up for our history? Right, right. For, I mean, Lincoln, Grant, it's Francis Scott It's got to Scott stop King. somewhere. Somebody's got to come forward and stop this nonsense. And this would be, you know, we always look for something where both parties can get together. This is it. Guys, we're going to vote on this. This is going to be done by a vote. This, we're going to talk to counties and committees. They're going to see if things need to be, to be revisited. Uh, if it no longer represents our town. New York is named uh, is a controversial name. Yale is a controversial name now. Everywhere you go, yeah. guess what? Guess what? Generation twenty twenty, there are imperfect people living today, and there are imperfect people living yesterday who just happen to have made a tremendous impact on the planet, on the country. That's why they're memorialized, not because they're perfect, is because they did something extraordinary. Yeah, uh, I'm going to change the subject completely, Brian. Uh, recreational vehicle makers, RV people, the big surge in demand since the pandemic started. But I think, didn't you just get back from an RV trip? You want, you're smiling. Did you have a good time? You want to tell us about it? Never thought I'd do it, <laughs> but I want to take my great Pyrenees down with us. And with the family was unsure about flying right now. Yeah. So I, I went and looked into it and I got an RV, a Winnebago, and it's 40 foot. And I thought, I'll figure it out. <laughs> 
800, 1,600 miles later, I kind of figured it out a little that, you know, when trucks come by, it moves on the road. But to have a living room with you, and it gets all of seven miles to the gallon, but when gas is only $1.99, uh, you know, it makes sense. But it was a, it was a great family thing. Uh, you know, my son relieved me a little bit, but I never thought I would do it. Then when I saw the stats that it's up 300% across the country, they can't make them fast enough because yeah. the staycation, family together, not going to Europe, not going to the Bahamas, not going to Argentina. They're staying in America on the road. It was certainly something I never thought I would do, but I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad we're talking about it, too, because that is really cool. Brian Kilme. Congratulations, Brian. We'll see you again real soon. See you Thank soon. You, Thank you. one 866 Got a couple more uh, minutes here. But what he, what he was talking about is true. I don't know if I expanded on it this hour. Excuse me if I didn't. Uh, essentially, I, I was able to, it took a year and a half, but the White House found time for us to do a, a look at the history of the White House for what makes America great, uh, what made America great on Fox Nation. But it's going to debut on Fox News Channel and expanded on Fox Nation. And I said, hey, it would look great to culminate with an interview with President Trump. And two days later, they said, yes, he wants to be a part of it. So I got a chance to talk to him not just about the rally in Tulsa, not just about uh, not just about the economy turning around or Joe Biden. I got a chance to talk to him about perspective, about his impact on history. And when I dug in on history and Andrew Jackson, he dug in how outraged he is. And Stewart nailed it as he usually does. For people not to be more outraged in Washington, if you, if you don't have a sense of history while serving in the Capitol building, you're in the wrong job. So to say you don't want to Confederates Jefferson Davis up, I understand that. You want to debate that? Let's do it. Let's talk about that. Uh, Robert E. Lee never wanted a monument. Let's talk about that. But to rip down presidents, it's a non-starter. Washington, Lincoln, Jackson, Monroe, Jefferson, Francis Scott Key, Ulysses S. Grant. Someone's out there to destroy the country. And they're starting with the past, and they're coming for now. Can you stop it, please? Join people that want to stop it? Like, I don't know, me? Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening. Brian, you listen all the time on the stream. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Kind of an exciting day. You got Anthony Fauci. We'll give you the latest as he goes in front of uh, the House committee to find out how the, the Trump administration reacted to the coronavirus. And of course, uh, Anthony Fauci subtly will take shots at Trump and whatever it is, they'll blow it out of proportion. That's my prediction. Pretty good at it. And we'll give you the latest on that. Uh, we're also looking at a situation uh, where the President of the United States is going to Arizona. He's going to be teaching, uh, talking to the young uh, young uh, Republicans, Charlie Kirk's group, young conservatives. And that's going to be good for him because he's got to get uh, some traction. And I think something really interesting happened with the president. He realized while the stadium was not filled up, the arena was not compa- uh, sold out in Tulsa, 
The ratings were through the roof for Fox. All-time record for high ratings on a Saturday night for Fox. Just under 10 million people were watching. So it's thinking to himself, we got to change this just a little bit. So uh, I had a chance to talk to the president yesterday. It's about for a special that I'm airing on Sunday on Fox ne- uh, Network, uh, on Fox News Channel at 10 o'clock. At which time I talked to him about news of the day. I'm going to bring you some of those highlights in a matter of minutes. At the bottom of the hour, James Murray. But first, James Murray from Impractical Jokers. First, the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And what the Trump campaign needs to do is get Biden on the campaign trail and engage with him on a stage with him, present the contrast on policy issues that are most favorable to Trump and make this more of a choice in the end. Uh, that is Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics. President's elections now bigger and I think beyond the candidates. Why? Front and center is history, our history, our policing, law and order. Ways to refuel the economic engine of this country, which we all agree is on its back, through no fault of our own. You decide the direction of the country by picking that candidate. The Tulsa speech, not a disaster. I explained earlier, I'll expand. Number two. The gun violence unfolding at night is not only wrong, it also is undermining and distracting SPD will be returning to the East Precinct. We are going to focus our greatest efforts on reimagining policing itself. Jenny Durkin, the failed Seattle mayor. Law and disorder. The autonomous zone now leading to violence and death. What happened to the summer of love, mayor? As shootings and killings rage in New York, Chicago, Minneapolis. Everyone wants to rip the cops and defund them or cut the budget. What you get in return is chaos and we're living it. Number one. Witness the events of just this past weekend where mobs tore down statues of George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant. When you tear down statues of Washington and Grant, it's not about the Civil War. It's because you hate America. War on History, Senator Tom Cotton said it best. It goes to the headquarters of the country, Washington, D.C. It targets our seventh president's iconic statue. Over 100 other monuments have been defiled or destroyed. This is a war we have to win, and I'll tell you why. One of the topics that I brought up with the President of the United States, I was talking about what the White House means to him, his place in history. But I also talked to him about the history under attack and so much more, including John Bolton. So let's listen. When you look at things that happened during your years that you have no control, for example, the economic collapse it wasn't really an economic policy of Bush's, but that's what Obama inherited. 9-11, Bush, that plan was in place for years ahead of time. With you, two things come to mind, the pandemic, and number two is the civil unrest. It really had nothing to do with policies. It is just these are, these are well, events. Well, I think the civil unrest came to a certain extent because of the plague. The plague is the Chinese plague, and it came over here, and they could have stopped it. In my opinion, they could have stopped it, and they should have stopped it, and they didn't or were unable to. So it was either incompetence or they knew. And I guess the third one is they knew and they decided not to at a later date. But it's the Chinese plague, and it's not a good thing, and that, I think, had something to Mm -hmm. do with the civil unrest. You said what I thought was in jest, just knowing your sense of humor, uh, when, even when you made that comment about, hey, Russia, if you heard me, if you found those 30,000 emails, that's kind of the way you, uh, when you're in front of people, you do that. Well, the other that day was, when you said, by the way, that was said as a joke. Right. And the fake news picked it up like I and was And I talked just, to you after And by that. the way, they ended up immediately when the last word was up because they didn't want to hear everybody, including me, laughing. 
But, but is that, that was what fake you, news. But is that what you meant when you said, uh, not, don't do so much testing? No. You, no. Yeah. No. Somebody said, I may have been joking. No. We got so good at testing. You know, what we did is a miracle between the ventilators and all of the right. things we did. But we got so good at testing that we've done 25 million tests. We've done 20 or 21 million more than Germany and these other countries. If you do more tests, that means you're going to have more cases. So we've done so good that we're showing we have a lot of cases. And everyone's saying they have more cases. Well, we have more cases because we have more testing. So they can test a kid who's got sniffles and is going to be better in about two hours because, you know, young, the young kids have done right. unbelievably well. Their immune system, I guess, or whatever is stronger. So when you do 25 million tests, you're going to show you have cases. And by doing all those tests, while it's good to do them in one way, in another way, it makes us look bad. And it's crazy. But you don't mean, do you mean slow down testing? No, I don't mean slow down. Yeah. But if we did slow down, or if we didn't do so many, let's say instead of 25 million tests, we did 5 million tests. We'd be very low in cases right now. And everybody would say, isn't that wonderful? By doing so much and being so advanced, not only did we do a lot of testing, but we're far more advanced than any other. We have the five-minute test. We have tests that they don't even think of other countries. You know, you hear about South Korea. They're always congratulating me on the great job I've done with testing. But the media, the fake news, doesn't get the word out. That's why it's good to speak to you. Right. So we've done 25 million tests. That means we show a lot of cases. And that's all fine. But it makes us look bad, even though it should make us look good. Interesting. So when you looked at what happened in Tulsa, you talked about this in, this, in Tulsa the other night. And it was the first time that I can remember you as a candidate or as president not selling out. Does that make you want to do less events? When I went there, it was the first time. Now, I heard two weeks of nothing but you are going to die if you go. You are going to die. You'll never live again. You'll never breathe again if you walk into that very beautiful arena. They treated us very nicely, except for one problem. They called a curfew. So people that were in line had to leave. You had people sitting, waiting for four or five days in advance, and they called a curfew, and they had to leave. I don't know where they went, but they had to leave. You know that. And then I called up, and I said, it shouldn't be curfew. I called the mayor, and I said, Mayor, you can't do a curfew. It's not fair to our people. They called a curfew because you had some very bad people coming. They did come, and the police did a good job, but they called curfew, number one. Number two, you had nothing but horrible press for a week and a half, two weeks leading up to it, that you were going to be in bad shape if you walked into the arena, and various other things. Now, despite that, we actually had a good crowd. For anybody else, it would be a good crowd, but I agree with you. It's the only time that I've had a vacant seat since I came down the escalator with the First Lady. But this just came out. As you came in, you didn't give this to no. me, but this just came out, and people have to see this. Trump rally, you see what that says? Gives Fox, Fox News the largest Saturday night audience in its history. So, my speech the other night was the largest audience in the history of Fox on Saturday night. That covers many, many years and many, many big shows. So this speech. Now, let me give you this. Online, it was even bigger than this. So online, you have many different mm -hmm. sites. But they say it was the biggest thing in a long time. 
Now, nobody's going to write that. And the reason I talk about it is because if you don't tell it yourself, nobody else is going well, you to. Can't you can't say nobody Because you've been fair. Yeah, no, 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 no. Fox put it out. Yep. I mean, Fox put it out. So it's the biggest, uh, the largest Saturday night audience in its history. Um, nobody's going to say that. I'll say it. I'm saying it now. If I didn't say it, they'll put it out. Nobody's going to pick it up because the fake news won't do that. But think of what that means. Now, a lot of people saw it. A lot of people went to Tulsa, and it was rough because they had, you know, so-called protesters, anarchists, and various other people. And they said, let's go home and watch it on television. But this is much more important. We had a very nice crowd of warriors. They were warriors. But it's the first empty seat. But these are the best ratings we've ever had. Interesting. I think that means something. Because that, to me, is like a poll. Right. And online, even better. While we have this conversation, we're in a war on history. They want to take Jackson's statue out of New Orleans without Battle of New Orleans. We're not the same country. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. I don't like anything that's going on. Now, federal, I've stopped. I've stopped federal. But the states are, a lot of states are weak. A lot of people are weak. And they're allowing it to happen. Hey, it's going over a little bit around the world now. They want to remove the statue of Gandhi, okay? All he wanted was peace. They want to take down Ulysses S. Grant. Well, he's the one that stopped the Confederates, right? So, you know, he was a great general. He turned, nobody's stock went higher than his stock over the last 10 or 15 years. But do you understand um, how you look at Thomas Jefferson, you look at George Washington, look at James Monroe, look at James Madison. One thing they had, they were brilliant. They also had slaves. Yeah. So how do we grow as a country, but yet not forget our past? So you have to understand history, and you have to understand the culture and so many other aspects of our country. And people can study that, and they can hate it, and let's all hate it. But you can't take down George Washington's statue, and half of our country is named after Washington. You can't take, we have to remember the heritage, the, the, the culture of our country. And, you know, this is less important, but it's very important. Some of the things that they're trying to destroy are magnificent pieces of art. Have you ever seen an area where a statue was removed and you look at the area and they put blacktop over the top of it? They put asphalt over the top and that's the end? And it was the center of a town or the, you know, a village? And now the statue's gone? And the whole village is like a different place. Uh, and here's the other problem I have. A lot of these people that want it down, don't even know what they're taking down. I watch them on television, and I see what's happening, and they're ripping down things. They have no idea what they're ripping down. But they started off with the Confederate, and then they go to Ulysses S. Grant. Well, what's that all about? And they would knock down Lincoln. There's a group that wants to take down Lincoln. They haven't figured out exactly why yet. Uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. I've stopped them twice now from going over to the Jefferson Memorial. If I weren't president, they would have knocked down. If a guy like Biden was president, they will knock down the Jefferson Memorial. Not going to happen. Francis Scott Key, the latest creator, writer of the yeah, National I Anthem. Yeah, I mean, he, he wrote the National Anthem. So since you have done a lot uh, for the African-American community, what is your message to them who said my ancestors were enslaved because of their... My message is that we have a great country. We have the greatest country on earth. We have a heritage. We have a history. And we should learn from the history. And if you don't understand your history, you will go back to it again. You will go right back to it. You have to learn. Think of it. 
You take away that whole mm -hmm. era, and you're going to go back to it sometime. People won't know about it. They're going to forget about it. It's okay. Now, what I do like, I like the idea of building new statues to people, to great people, people that have done something. And I think that's okay. Right. But you don't want to take away our heritage and our history. And the beauty, in many cases, the beauty, the artistic beauty, some of the sculptures and some of this work is some of the great, you can go to France, you can go anywhere in the world, and you'll never see more magnificent work. And that's a factor. It's mm -hmm. not the biggest factor, but it's a factor. Your personal style, your personability has always been your greatest asset. Uh, John Bolton came out and said, That's not, that doesn't work with country to country. What's your reaction? Uh, look, this is a guy with no personality. All he wanted to do is drop bombs on everybody. He got us, he was one of the many people that got us into the war in the Middle East, which was a big mistake. I said to him, let me ask you, do you think, recently, I said, what did you think? He said, I think we made the right decision. I said, you lost me there. It was the worst decision in the history of our country. I know you may disagree with that. Worst, well, now you might agree. At the time, you would have, you know, felt differently. But also, the Libyan model, you know what that means, right? Look it up. One of the dumbest things ever said, I think it was said on Deface the Nation, the Libyan model, he said the Libyan model, that was set us back, you have no idea. John Bolton was a stupid guy, and he was a guy with no heart. And he also had a statement that he would lie whenever he had to. He has that statement, it's a well-known statement. And I fired him, and I didn't think it was a big deal. And I, didn't, I wasn't around him very much. But what he did do is he took classified information and he published it during a presidency. It's not, you know, it's one thing to write a book after, during. And I believe that he's a criminal. And I believe, frankly, he should go to jail for that. And that probably, possibly will happen. That's what should happen. You remember the young boy with the sailor, the sailor in the subway? Sure. Took a picture in a subway. They, he took a picture, sent it to his mother. And I think a friend of a 30-year-old Submarine. And the backdrop had since yeah. They destroyed his life. And you know what I did? I pardoned him. Because Hillary Clinton should have gone to jail. And she destroyed, deleted 33,000 emails. Mm -hmm. John Bolton, what he did is incredible. He took classified, that classified is higher than confidential. You have confidential, you have classified. It's the highest form of information. And he. And by the way, it's so important, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, but in his case, it was knowingly. He classified some of it. John Bolton should go to jail. Gotcha. Mr. President, can't thank you enough for the time. Thank you very much. Great. A lot more to do? I have a lot to do. Get out of here, Brian. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, I did, and he did toss me out uh, right after that. It was very nice of him. All his people were saying, Mr. President, you got 20 million things to do. When we come back, your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669, and we take a break with Impractical Joker star and creator, James Murr Murray. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm going to try to get to as many calls as possible. Ron, listen on WABC in New York. Hey, Ron. 
Thanks for taking my call, Brian. That was a great shot that you had with the president. Thank you so much. Um, You know, I got two two things. Um, Number one, they're wrecking history. Um, I'm a little concerned about the George Washington Bridge. Not so much the destruction, but the renaming. Since they, you know, can't destroy it, I hope not, um, I honestly think that would be next on um, our liberal Agenda hey, Ron, it depends who we elect. I, that's why it's, it's not so much subtlety now of high taxes, military spending. Now we're talking about our history. We're talking about law and order in the streets. I walked from I, 42nd Street to 48th Street. I saw a, probably 30 to 40 homeless. I used to see 30 to 40 every two months. Uh, this is anarchy. Cops together because they're afraid of fanning out, in my opinion. It's it's a shame, Brian. You know, I live in Westchester County. I used to go to the city a lot, see Broadway plays, and and uh, go to the Nick games and and uh, restaurants and the circus when they had it. I don't I don't think I'm going to miss that at all. Honest to goodness, happening in the city and the destruction and the violence. Honest to goodness, uh, I don't think I'm going to miss that. Hey, thanks so much, Ron. Appreciate it. Uh, listen, I got a, a few more calls, but coming up next. Uh, so stay on board. Stay in the order in which you come in. We were able to track it. I'm going to talk to uh, James Murray. Remember him from Impractical Jokers, a New York guy from Staten Island. Him and his buddies in high school uh, were always doing different antics, having fun. Uh, they decided to do it for a living. They did do a show. It hits big on True TV. It has been the one, one place you can go to laugh with your family. These guys are fantastic. And Murr's got a brand new book out. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. My name is James S. Murray, uh, your master of ceremonies. A little about myself, I'm bald. The bald head is an important element of seafaring. When we pass a ship, I reflect a signal off my shiny, shiny scalp that says, Good day, mate. Happy trails to use. I used to sail with my dog. My first dog was a German shepherd named Delilah. She had beautiful brown eyes and a tongue that didn't quit. This is a, that's a little of the impractical jokers. It's tough to sell on radio, but it's hysterical. If you have not seen it yet, where the heck have you been? Um, he also is part of another series, and, but most importantly, he's got a brand new book out. James Murray is with us now, the author of Obliteration, an awakened novel. Uh, Murr, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hello, my friend. How are you? It's, it's been too long. I know. And listen, no, but you choose only to talk to me when you have something coming out. Th- that uh, is not true. That is not true. We talk, we chat from time to time, you know, but we're all locked down. What do we, what do you do? <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to say you know, too busy. Come over for dinner tonight. How about that? Bob? Not allowed. <laughs> hey, hey, Mur, you, your movie was yeah. excellent. We watched it. Uh, it was in the theater for just a few weeks because then everything shut down. But the whole family yeah. watched it. I thought you guys did a great job. And was it the number one box office for the year? I, I, I'll tell you what. Since since we're pretty much the last movie to get in the theaters, we have a shot at being the number, the highest grossing comedy of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. That'll put you yeah. like with Stripes and Caddyshack. 
You know, a win by forfeit is still a win, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was all you guys. Who was, I thought it was very well done. We, we always, we, uh, I thought it was great. You know, immediately we got it streaming. And we're able to watch your shows and get a break from the news. Even I need a break from the news on a regular basis. Do you watch your shows back on True TV? I, I don't. You know, I've lived them. So I, I usually don't like re- revisiting traumatic memories. You know, I try to move forward in life. You know that. I understand. So tell me about Obliteration. It's the third book of the Awakened Trilogy. You do not have to have read the first two books to pick this up stand it, and, and, and love it. It's, uh, it's the culmination, the f- uh, finale of a, a long time coming, man. I started writing these books 15, 16 years ago, long before Jokers. And in this book, uh, the former mayor of New York has to team up with his arch nemesis, uh, Albert Van Ness's very evil, shadowy figure, to try to defeat the creatures that have risen to the, the surface of the earth once and for all. So it's a kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And uh, it's great fun. It's great summer reading. If, if you do say so yourself. So you will not watch your stuff back, but you'll reread your work. I, I, I'll read it. I'll, yes. Uh, but, you know, I'll reread it and enjoy it. Uh, but uh, then I move on to the next book. <laughs> so, so Mur, describe how you got to where you were right now. You're an executive at, uh, as it was, at Paramount or is it True TV? No, you know, I, I, for years I worked as a development executive for North South, which is the company that makes Jokers. And that's how we kind of sold the TV show and got on TV. Uh, I would have liked to have gotten on TV years earlier when I had a full head of hair. But, you know, life gives you lemons, you make a TV show. (laughs) So, so Mert, did you think, all right, I'm going to be a producer, developer, I'm not going to be a personality? Did you give up on that part? No, I I always wanted to be a personality. And I I, I used my job to become a personality on TV. <laughs> so, so in other words, you got some power and you hired yourself. I, I, essentially, I hired myself and my best friends from high school. It's, it's kind of a, a nepotism situation. <laughs> right, if you were related to them. So what yeah. would they, what, were you guys still performing an improv group, the Tenderloins, anyway? We, we were, we, but I'll tell you a funny story. I mean, 12 years ago, before Jokers started, we did a show in New York City, and two people bought tickets to see us perform, two. And the tickets were five bucks each. And then 10 years later, we're playing Madison Square Garden, and we just, in January, we did another three shows at Radio City. And, uh, but I remember those days, and they were not that long ago. And who was the most optimistic through that time? I think I am the endless source of optimism, uh, uh, offset by the realism of the other guys, and uh, it, it keeps us well balanced. Because my my overconfidence and Sal's underconfidence go hand in hand, and we balance each other perfectly in the middle. <laughs> so let, let's look at let's look at all you guys. So Brian, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, focus when he's not doing the show. What else does he do? You know, he just launched a beer company, uh, R&H, which is an, an old brand in Staten Island that went out of business decades ago, and he revived the brand and created his own beer line. How cool is that? <laughs> That's fantastic. Hang out with your friends and develop beer on the side. Again, we're just doing things that, that gives us pleasure, you know? He, he, he created a beer line. He's sitting at home drinking. The, the quarantine is perfect for Q. He loves it. <laughs> I, I know. It's not like he normally combs his hair. Uh, yeah, number he's got a palate of his own beer, and he's playing video games. Now, it's Sal makes sense. He's a comedian. Yeah, he does stand up on the road when we're not performing on the road together as a group. 
And Joe is a bit of an actor. Joe is the, Joe is the most charitable out of all of us. He does a ton of stuff for charity. Also, I mean, he, you know, you got a charity, reach out to Joe. He'll he'll make you money. <laughs> no, I know, and he seems like the actor type. Am I correct? I, like, he, I think he's the producer type more than anything. He, he'll go on to show run and to do all sorts of great stuff like that. Interesting. Now, you on the side, before you became uh, Murr from Impractical Jokers, you always had these ideas, these book ideas. Yeah, I, I had tons. I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s watching some of the classic horror movies like Aliens and and uh, The Descent and so on and so forth. And I, I loved the genre of thrillers and action-packed kind of adventures. And I always wanted to write. Uh, you know, I... I did get my degree in writing in, in English from Georgetown, and uh, I always dreamt of doing it. And uh, and now, you know, of course, Obliteration comes out today in stores, and and uh, I have five more books coming out in the next two years. You do not. You have I five. five Wait, more. Are they one, all one done? coming out this fall. Yeah, uh, well, two of them are done. Uh, the other three I'm writing now. Uh, so Don't Move comes out in October. It's a thriller set in the woods of West Virginia. Uh, the Stowaway comes out next April. That's a serial killer on a cruise ship book. It's a great thriller. And then I have a children's book series starting next summer. Do you have any time to develop relationships with people, or is it uh, all work? Bri, I, mean? I got I, since we've spoken, I've gotten engaged, my friend. You did, and, uh, and the wedding is still on. Yeah, I'm getting married end of September, and uh, and as, as things are starting to reopen in Pennsylvania, it looks like uh, I cut the list in half. So I cut I cut out the BS fourth and fifth cousins. Uh, but but the wedding is still on, and uh, it's yeah, I'm getting married this fall. Uh, are you ready for this? I, I am. I, you know, we, we we bought a house together in Princeton uh, maybe seven months ago uh, before everything shut down, and not a day goes by. I'm like, thank God I'm down here because you know we've got a puppy and space and room to breathe, and it's a uh, it's a great relief from the city. You right. Know? Rounding out your life, that's fantastic in all seriousness. Yeah. So so in the big picture, you're not do you guys have not just taken off. So you can't go out to the mall and do the impractical joker shoots. You can't go out to the park as you have certain distancing, I guess. So what are you doing now? You're doing now a Zoom party? We we two things. Well, the guys and I are filming a new TV show from home. It's been airing a few weeks called Joker's Dinner Party, where we're having dinner together on Zoom and we put it on TV and it's it's great, great fun. And uh, and then today is our virtual book launch, which I've never done before. So we have like a thousand fans joining us on Zoom. Uh, and you just go to mer.eventbrite.com and you can get an autographed copy of the book. And it gets to come to the book launch this evening from my home. And we have an after party too from my home with lights and music. And it's going to be great. It, 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 it's like a party in my home where I'm, I'm alone, but there's thousands of people watching. <laughs> and can they ask questions? Yeah, they can. As part of it, it's a Q&A. We do a book reading. We have some special surprise guests joining for the launch and, uh, and lots of prizes. It's going to be great fun. So here's a cut from the dinner party. This is you talking about you. Get on the train. I catch the train <laughs> to London to get to the airport. Somehow then I'm playing soccer, and there's like a giant mountain to the left of us, and the wall of water comes over the, the, the mountain from like an asteroid and I jump into a, a motorcycle like a you know like a moped and I make it to another mountain and the water's right behind me and a dog catches up to me and another girl and then we climb the mountain together and we escape the flood and uh, Japan and everything and Europe will never be the same and that's it 
So this is you talking <laughs> about your dreams? Yeah, I, I've been, while we've been locked down, I've been recording my dreams in the middle of the night. I'll wake up at like 3 a.m. in the middle of a vivid dream, and I grab my phone, and I turn on the voice memo, and I record it. And the next day, hours later, I wake up, and I, I'm like, did I, did I record something? And I check my notes, and sure enough, there's an audio recording from me hours before, but I have no recollection of what the hell the dream was about. So that's one I had literally last week, and I listened to the next day. I was like, what, what does this mean? And I think it's just because we're watching too many movies at home. I had just watched, I guess, Deep Impact or Armageddon or something like that. But it's these crazy, nonsensical dreams. That's how I'm spending my time. This is unbelievable. <laughs> well, by the way, that's what, uh, that's what therapists say. You've got to record your dreams. And it's not so much what they mean to It's what they mean to you. What does a mountain mean to you? What does a dog mean to you? What does a uh, woman mean to you? That's kind of a general statement. And how yeah. it, all, it all comes together. So you could go see a therapist and save money. This is like almost having a coupon. I, I, it basically is. I got a Groupon for, for therapy, and it's my phone voice memo. <laughs> so so congratulations on everything. You're getting paid to do what you want to do. You're actually getting paid to record your dreams. No, every, <laughs> You're living the, like, the perfect life, but you actually, in all seriousness, you, you're out working people, and that's how you're doing it. Uh, well, thanks, Brian. Uh, you know, you, you, you and I are the same kind of guy, uh, as is Brad Meltzer. You know, we're, we, we work our butts off. Right, but we all know that Long Island better than Staten Island. Am I correct? Well, you know what? We will have to discuss that at a dinner tonight. How about that? <laughs> Fantastic. And how do we go to your dinner again? Uh, just go to uh, mer.eventbrite.com, and you can get an autographed copy of Obliteration, or you can go, of course, to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold, and get your own copy right now. All right, uh, uh, James Mer Murray, thanks so much for joining us. Continued success. Congratulations on the imminent marriage. Don't blow it. I, I'm going to try not to. I, I don't fail much. I'm trying not to fail at this one. You got it. A little cocky. A little Take bit care, of a buddy. swagger. Thanks, James. Uh, <laughs> you got it. That is, uh, this is one of the great guys and just a self-made success story. one 408 7669 I left a lot of you on the line. I'm coming back with your calls. I promise. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. We're just watching Anthony Fauci testify, and they just answered the obvious question. Donald Trump has never asked them to slow down testing. He was kidding. What is it going to take for people to understand when he's putting on a performance as on a speech in front of his supporters in Tulsa, just like the 30,000 emails. Hey, Jane, you're in WABC, always supporting the show. I appreciate it. Uh, listening in New Jersey. Hey, Jane. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. What's on your I, mind? I did, well, it, it's a shame that it took 10,000-plus um, seniors to die uh, of COVID to bring attention to what goes on in nursing homes. Um, my dad was in one for six and a half years, and if I wasn't there every single day, um, I would never know what was going on there. And so many people are dropped off. They're left there. And I, you can't paint a broad brush on all nursing homes or all health care workers there. But I have seen my share of abuse. I had the health department on speed dial. Um, many times I would have to bring attention to the fact that my father had a cough or he wasn't feeling well, and they treat it like a business. And their biggest concern in nursing homes today is not so much the care that the people get, but if someone dies, how they're going to fill that bed. 
and I heard that over and over again. That would distress them. Uh-oh, we lost someone. Now who are we going to get to put in that bed? And as many times as I called the state and as many times as I called the health department, and when the state would come to visit on a surprise visit, I would know three days before they were coming, and I didn't work there. So you never really had your concerns addressed. And we really need to take a very close look at what goes on in healthcare facilities for the elderly, not only in New Jersey, but in this country, because we need to open people's minds as to- We're all gonna really get there. We're all gonna get there, Jane. Uh, so I hear you, and I hope you'll enjoy the Janice Dean interview. She's doing an investigation on her own for seniors in nursing homes, and she's making New York be accountable single-handedly. She lost both her in-laws, one after the other, and they could not have burials. The kids could not see him. The grandkids couldn't see him, and they just passed away. Uh, Tom was on WABC in Staten Island. Hey, Tom. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. It's nice to talk to you. I'm a big fan. Well, thanks. You just heard Murr. He, is he the pride of Staten Island? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. I love them. It's a great show. So what's on your mind? So I was wondering, um, you know, if the um, Hollywood uh, people would uh, support the Hollywood sign being torn down. Or no. Or maybe the, you know, the Walk of Fame being torn up. Nope. You know what I mean? So, you know, they seem to support the uh, statues being torn down. Tom, it's, it's amazing. Wouldn't you think this would be common ground? That yeah. oh, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, this is, this is the arrogant era. I mean, this, you right. never heard about this in the 70s and 60s. You never read about this in the 80s. You never heard about this in the 1930s. Who are we to do this? Now, Confederate statues, I think, is a separate conversation. I want to have it. If they were built to intimidate African-Americans to, hey, you know, we're still in charge here, that's different. Other people say they were built for reconciliation. They say the bases were named after uh, Confederate leaders in order to get the South to accept those bases in those areas and to also make sure we don't have any schism again. So maybe it was a compromise thing. Maybe David Petraeus is right. There are things we can look at as adults, but when we're tearing down George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, when we're tearing down Andrew Jackson and Thomas Jefferson, we're in a dangerous place. Yeah, because where does it end? Where does it end? Thanks, Tom. Lisa uh, KQAM, Wichita, Kansas. Lisa. Hi. Um, I called when I heard the president. Uh, he certainly has a long list of people he wants to put in jail. Um, but then I heard that woman, uh, her nursing home story. And, and listen, that, that, that message needs to get out. I used to work in nursing homes. And uh, they still lack PPE. I mean, they have nursing assistants. And to this day, you know, I called the one where I used to work at. Uh, nursing assistants are still wearing one flimsy mask for a week. And they take care of like 20 patients at a time. So, you know, we really do need to take care of our elderly because they're not just dying because they're old. They're dying because of uh, what's going on in nursing homes. Are they state run? Do you think the key would be be privately run, state supervised? Well, they're... 
I mean, there's good and bad corporations. You know, I, I, my experience is the the smaller homes, maybe in smaller communities, they're always a little bit of run because the people that work there know who they're taking care of. But some of the larger corporations in bigger cities, I, you know, I, I've been in in some that are just they're terrible. And and you and if you say anything, you get fired. If you call the state, it's it's really a sad state of affairs in some of these homes. Really sad. Thanks so much, Lisa. Appreciate your support. Hey, uh, don't forget, you can get the show. If you can't listen live, and I always wish you did, you can now go on Spotify and get it. You can go on iHeartRadio and get the podcast. And you go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com and get the podcast, as well as Pandora. Man, we're everywhere. There's no excuse not to listen. There's no excuse not to take it in. Special thanks to Murr for helping us out this hour and President Donald Trump for the quality time. Don't forget to watch the special 10 o'clock on Sunday. And I'll be hosting Tucker on Friday, but back with you, too. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.